Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie Tuesday morning, the 21st of December. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. On this, the shortest, darkest day of the year, it is true to say COVID-19 brought a darkness to people's lives all over the world throughout all of 2021. More than 3.3 million people have lost their lives to COVID-19 this year. And the pandemic continues to take its toll. COVID-19 continues to claim around 50,000 lives every week. Unfortunately, dark days lie ahead of us too. And as the virus mutates once again, it's sweeping across countries, but at a pace this time that has never been seen before. There is now consistent evidence that Omicron is spreading significantly faster than the Delta variant. Omicron is breaking through. The protections that we had hoped would make us immune from the virus. It's more likely that people who have been vaccinated or have recovered from COVID-19 could be infected or reinfected. These terrible messages are coming to you from the World Health Organization. Its Director General, Dr. Tedros Adhanem Ghebreyesus, is just as tired of all of this as you or me. All of us are sick of this pandemic. All of us want to spend time with friends and family. All of us want to get back to normal. The fastest way to do this is for all of us leaders and individuals to make the difficult decisions that must be made to protect ourselves and others. So what does this mean? In some cases, that will mean cancelling or delaying events. Cancelling or delaying events could be easier said than done. The obvious challenge is, of course, Christmas. Christmas is not an event that anyone wants to cancel. But an event cancelled is better than a life cancelled. That's the stark message from the World Health Organization. It's better to cancel now and celebrate later than to celebrate now and grieve later. 
Dr Tedros was speaking at a press conference yesterday at the World Health Organization's headquarters in Geneva. Now let's talk to Dr Sean Denier, who's the HSE's Acting Director of Public Health in the North East. Good morning to you, Dr Denier. Thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. The Chief Medical Officer issued a statement last night saying that Christmas week gives COVID unique opportunities for spreading in this country and that this week each of us can take actions to protect ourselves and our loved ones, even if this means rethinking plans for the Christmas period, especially if you are not yet boosted or or vaccinated. So what is the advice here? If you wake up on Friday or Saturday, uh, you think you've got a a cold. Uh, What do you do then? Uh, Should you be isolating and not spending Christmas with your family? Yes, uh, kind of sadly, that would be the kind of advice uh, we would give. Um, it's, uh, uh, you know, as you were saying, kind of everybody's completely weary and kind of sick of this uh, kind of whole thing. Um, but people just have to kind of think about the kind of risk and do a sort of a risk assessment themselves. Certainly, if you've got symptoms, you should isolate and get a kind of a test as soon as, uh, as, soon as you can. That would be um, the most, probably the most important kind of message we can give to people. But, you know, we know that kind of people want to um, kind of enjoy time with their kind of family, some of whom they won't have seen for uh, kind of long periods of time. And, um, you know, I think people need to look at what their what they've got kind of lined up for this week and think, you know, do I really need to do that now? You know, what's the most important thing for me um, kind of at the moment to be, you know, with these kind of people? So perhaps I won't kind of meet my mate for a kind of drink tonight. I'll I'll see him in the new year, you know, when things, you know, might get a bit uh, a bit better. So it's a question of sort of evaluating what you're doing. Try to minimise the number of contacts you have. Um, kind of avoid kind of crowds. Carry out the... The, uh, all the kind of usual sort of mitigation measures which everybody kind of knows about as, as much as you can do, um, you know, and, mm. and still try to kind of enjoy Christmas. And that's if you're fit and well. If uh, you're displaying symptoms, it's another matter altogether. And Dr yeah. Tony Houlihan, uh, very concerned uh, because the research done for the Department of Health from Amoric is showing that only half of people who have symptoms are isolating. That means half of them aren't. Yes, and that's something we're constantly kind of dealing with. We're tending to deal with the more difficult end of the kind of uh, kind of spectrum in terms of managing kind of outbreaks. And um, yes, you know, we are we do find out that sometimes people don't, unfortunately, um, you know, kind of follow advice or they think, oh yes, this is just a cold. But if you have the symptoms of a cold, you need to uh, be thinking um, it's COVID unless proven otherwise. That's the that's the kind of thing to keep in your head. And that's any of the symptoms of a cold. It could yes. just be a sore throat or it could just be a high Absolutely. temperature. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. The kind of symptoms, you know, vary from very, very mild to, you know, quite severe, obviously, and, you know, all the way in between. So, um, you know, the, the first thing in your head has to be, uh, you know, this could be COVID. You know, if you're getting the symptoms of a cold at the moment, you know, it's um, it's more likely to be COVID than it is to be a common cold. Hmm. Um, it's frightening, uh, but it's a, a hard thing for people to face into, especially this week. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I suppose it depends on how you look at it. Will anybody notice or uh, are you thinking even if they don't notice, uh, I could be doing great harm? Yeah, well, absolutely. You know, it's not just, as I said, for, for most people, it's going to be a sort of a mild to kind of moderate um, thing, which they'll kind of get over. But uh, you just don't know who is going to be you know, more severely affected. You know, you don't know if that kind of person kind of next to you is 
uh, has an underlying kind of health condition. Um, so it's not just about yourself. It's about kind of, uh, you know, trying to do what's best for uh, people who are more vulnerable than you too. Okay. The 16 to 34-year-old age group uh, seems uh, to be catching this in their droves. One in four who have gone for PCR tests have uh, detected a, a result. Does that tally with uh, the experience uh, you're having locally? Yes, it does. Yeah, very much. Uh, we'd have very similar kind of thing, uh, figures in the kind of north east, um, you know, which would suggest that. But I mean, obviously, that age group are the group that are you know, most likely to be socialising and going out, which is completely normal, you know, and that, uh, you know, when we were, um, when I was in that kind of age group, you know, I would be the same, but, um, you know, so they're, they're seeing more people in more kind of risky situations, so, uh, you know, the rates are, are going to be higher, and it's been very, very difficult for people in that kind of age group who feel they've, um, you know, they've, they've lost a couple of years in the, um, you know, and the sort of peak of their sort of uh, kind of early life, so I totally understand um, the difficulties they're in. But again, they need to kind of assess the risk. Uh, you know, do I really need to, you know, see this group of friends who I'll see, you know, I see every week. Um, you know, coming up to Christmas, you've got to really, um, you know, evaluate what's the important things um, um, and try and kind of minimise your risk. Mm-hmm. And also, don't be afraid to. Um, say no to things. You know, I think Irish people are, are the worst when it comes to speaking up in a kind of situation in which they're uncomfortable. Uh, in you know, you know, I had the experience myself. I went to a Christmas market at the weekend. It was very packed. I thought it was too many people. I was in there a minute and I left yeah. um, because I just wasn't comfortable. And yeah. uh, so people have to be, you know, honest that they're not comfortable in situations and either not go and um, you know, or leave if they're, if they're feeling uncomfortable. And of course, Christmas has been cancelled for quite a, a few people. Uh, thousands of uh, people are testing positive for COVID every day. And uh, if you've tested uh, positive uh, in the last couple of days, uh, Christmas uh, will be a lonely time for you. Other people yeah. will be in hospital. Yeah. And uh, yeah. then there are others who are in critical care who will have families uh, more worried about their well-being than about Christmas as such and of course there will be people who won't be with us in the new year. Yeah, I know. It's it's a horrible week for my team, I have to say. Yeah. You know, we're having to tell people that, you know, you're going to have to isolate, you know, over the sort of Christmas period. It's just awful. Um, you know, so um it's um it's not where any of us would want to be, but we need to just think, you know, we've got through previous uh, kind of waves. We'll get through this one. Mm. You know, um, we're in a better place than we were yeah. this time last year. Okay, but for people listening to us this morning, if they don't have COVID, uh, what can they do to protect themselves from getting it? Uh, is it possible to avoid it at this stage? Because uh, this Omicron variant seems to be very transmissible. It's very transmissible, yeah. So that just means you have to do all the things that we were asking people to do before, but even more so. So to, uh, you know, to to um, you know, not go to crowded spaces, to avoid places with kind of big crowds, to really cut back on the number of contacts, uh, kind of that you, you that that you have, um, you know, postpone sort of events, um, you know, really, really kind of think about that, um, because as you say, this is a much more transmissible. Uh, kind of variant, so you know the the vigilance has to be uh, kind of even even more um, than it has been uh, kind of before. But you know, again, I I think it's important that people 
uh, no, we will kind of get through this. We're in a we're in a stronger position, even though you know um, uh, the kind of vaccinations you know do seem to be less effective against uh, the new variant. They still are very effective. You know, if you've got the kind of booster, uh, you know, we're talking about seventy percent kind of protection, which is you know is is a pretty good uh, kind of number. So um, it's not um, it's not a time to despair. We will get through this. Things will get better. Am I right in thinking, Dr. Denier, that you're hoping for the best but preparing for the worst? And can you tell us what preparations uh, the HSE has in place in a worst-case scenario, which could include up to 2,000 people in hospital across the country? Well, there's, you know, this active planning, dynamic planning going on all the time, looking at all the possible kind of scenarios. Um, um, and, it's, you know, it's obviously very difficult to plan when, you, when you're when you not 100% sure what the what the scenario is going to be. We don't really know what the sort of hospitalisation rate for the new variant will be. There's some, and there's some conflicting sort of information um, sort of emerging, some saying that, it, you know, it won't, um, you won't see anything like the, uh, the percentage of kind of hospitalizations and some saying, well, maybe you will. So, you know, planning in that kind of um, when there's such a lot of unknown is very difficult, but it's very, very active every day. Uh, you know, people are looking at the data and, uh, you know, trying to make sure that they've got the capacity um, that's needed. And, you know, and to give credit to the uh, kind of people kind of in frontline services, they have, you know, responded magnificently to everything that's kind of been thrown at them. And they've been at this for, uh, you know, two years almost now. And uh, they're still um, delivering an absolutely exceptional uh, kind of service. And I think, you know, people, you know, can have confidence in that. Mm. Well, people do, uh, and uh, they're very grateful for uh, everything that uh, the medics are, are putting into protecting us uh, and the work they're doing to care for us uh, and so on, and indeed uh, very cognizant of the impact that it, it must be having on everybody working in the health service. You said it's a very tough week for your team this week. Uh, I, I'm sure that the pressure uh, is intense. Yes, it's. Um, I can't say that it isn't. <laughs> um, but you know, people, you know, um, are very committed, and you know, they want to do. They want uh, as many people to stay well as kind of possible. That's what it's all about. You know, uh, we don't like. You know, we we do not enjoy at all telling people that they. Um, you know, they have to isolate, um, they've got to kind of miss kind of events that are really important to them, you know, all these kind of things are not a great thing to have to sort of tell people, but, um, you know, we want as many people to stay well as, uh, as possible, we want this thing to be, um, um, you know, over as soon as possible, so, um, you know, uh, anyone out there who hasn't been vaccinated, um, please, please, please get kind of vaccinated. Um, if you're uh, eligible for a booster, please get kind of boosted. Um, and you know, we, and the, the response of the Irish um, people has been magnificent. You know, we are you know leading in terms of um, um, vaccination rates. We are, I think, fourth in Europe currently on the booster. Uh, going to rate people uh, people's response has been amazing so you know uh, I think if people can just hold their nerve uh, keep their faith uh, you know uh, we will get through this Okay let's uh, hope that we all come out the other side thank you indeed uh, for joining us on the programme today Dr Sean Danier is uh, the HSE's Acting Director of Public Health in the North East Michael Reed on LMFM 
Well, schools are open again this morning. Many parents are wondering why. I think that's clear given the huge amount of absenteeism yesterday. Let's speak to Joe McKeown, President of the INTO, the Irish National Teachers Organisation. Good morning to you, Joe, and thanks for joining us. I gather you agree that that's the way some parents are looking on this. Is it the way teachers are looking at it? Well, I wouldn't think so. Uh, I think that uh, certainly one quarter of the the children uh, are probably absent yesterday and today, and you would expect absenteeism in December. I do think teachers do recognise the importance of the days leading up to Christmas. As a principal myself, uh, we used to always find that it was a a particularly important time to make connections with vulnerable children that you weren't going to see for a number of weeks. Um, I think teachers will be relieved to have got to this stage I think uh, there's great acknowledgement due to principals and teachers for having got through the most challenging part of the pandemic in primary schools. And I think most teachers are are, are looking forward to some bit of rest over Christmas, hopefully. Mm. But uh, the real concern is around uh, January because whatever happens, January is going to be a really challenging month for us. Okay, and do you expect uh, to be in classrooms on the 6th? Well, that's the plan, and we're meeting with the Department uh, of Education and Public Health officials uh, tomorrow morning uh, to to, uh, find out that. Everybody wants schools to open, but I think the most important thing is if we can all agree that that, that if the situation is that we can't, then that we recognise that and work on that together and that there isn't a blame game at the the beginning of January. The fact of the matter is, Michael, uh, we see from today's papers that the number of cases in the 19 to 34 year old category is increasing and they're the group getting most infections and one third of all primary school teachers are in that age group with a very young primary school uh, teaching population. So the issue really is can all of those people, if we want schools to be kept open in January, can we get all of those people uh, the booster vaccine as quickly as possible, either alongside the rest of the population with the, the rollout of it as it is going at the moment or take special measures to make sure that all those in crowded settings uh, get a booster. But that's going to be really important to keeping schools functioning through January, which uh, we all expect will be even more difficult than the months we've seen already. Yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? Uh, after all we've been through. And uh, I gather the decision will hinge on the hospital figures and the ICU figures in particular. Yes, and, and, and uh, like I think there's two parts to what will, will, will happen. I mean, one is that obviously the public health decision around uh, what's happening in hospitals and that's not something that we'll have any uh, expertise in. But the other part will be the availability of pupils to teach because if they're well enough to, to come to school and teachers to do the teaching if they also uh, uh, are not restricting their movements uh, or, or suffering from COVID. Uh, because as you know, if we have cases uh, of the order they're talking about, if you have 20,000 people with COVID, that could mean a further 80,000 people restricting their movements for up to 10 days because they haven't got the booster. Mm. That would put huge pressure on individual schools. And I think in the Loudmead area, no more than any other part of the country, even if the schools are officially open, there will be disruption at local level if Mm. those numbers come to pass. And we know this. We know this on the 21st of December that that is at least a possibility. So what do we do? Uh, Do we wait till Wednesday, the 5th of January to say, oh God, we're in a bit of a situation here. We're not going to open the schools tomorrow. I'm sure that's not what you would wish for. So when should we plan? I mean, I suppose like everything else with this, there's kind of a a war footing and you have 
have to expect the worst and prepare for the worst uh, and hope for the best. Yeah, and the first thing I think is at local level schools, some schools are sending home books uh, as, uh, this week and last week. Some are choosing not to very sensibly in, in many cases are saying, look, we did this last year and books got lost and went missing and we'll find ways of distributing them in January if we need to. All schools are, are preparing their online uh, resources uh, and making sure they're ready to move to remote teaching if that's necessary. But I think realistically, and what we'll be saying to the department tomorrow, that decisions may need to be made early in January rather than later in January. And decisions need to be made perhaps on an agreed footing rather than, as I say, this time last year, when there was a lot of arguing between all of us about what was happening. And in the whole of society, we need to recognise if it's not safe for schools to reopen, then schools shouldn't reopen and people should have the courage to make that decision. Mm, well, if it's not safe for schools to reopen, I take it uh, we'll be going into full lockdown, which might answer some of the questions about childcare and so forth uh, that yeah. people will have when schools yeah. close. Yeah, and, and I think that also yeah. has to be accepted, that the general advice from the European Centre for Disease Control is that closing schools should be a last resort, and we accept that ourselves. So I think you're quite right, Michael. If schools are closing, so will everything else be closing. Um, but our ambition is to try and do our best to make sure schools stay open and obviously that means all of us doing our best to keep safe over Christmas. Hmm. Um, what impact is all of this going to have uh, on children? Uh, is that a question that can only be answered in many years from now? Uh, n- no, I think we can we, we, we can safely say that the longer it goes on, the, the, the deeper the impact uh, and certainly we've noticed rises in anxiety levels. But we also know that it's going to transform the pupils who come into our schools, uh, I mean, next September, the pupils who arrive into us will have spent between 60 and 80% of their lives living in a COVID environment. Mm. Uh, the schools next year, a quarter of all the children will have only had a COVID experience of their school, school life. So that transforms everything we do and how we do it. Um, and there's going to be a lot of support needed for a lot of children for a long time to come. Indeed, uh, the Childline uh, service is reporting a very worrying uh, increase in uh, the level of anxiety and we'll be hearing from the ISPCC later in today's programme. But what about academically? Will this impact on children as they make their way through the education system? Are are, uh, they losing the opportunity of learning how to learn? Well, I think there, there's, you're, you're right in saying, yes, it will impact academically and we need to adjust our expectations. And I think it's really important to recognise that if a child uh, goes through primary school uh, with, with most of their time in the COVID environment, it's not and it hasn't been functioning as well as in previous times. So therefore, we just, can't, we just need to reduce our expectations of what they can achieve because it's going to take longer to get to the same points. The children themselves are going to still have the same ability. They're going to still have the same potential. They're going to still have the same talents. But what we need to do as adults is make sure that we ease the pressure of expectation on them uh, to make the accommodations so that it doesn't... Because you can't rush learning, to be honest with you, particularly with young children. They have their potential and they move. Uh, Parents listening will know that we've all learned to walk. Their children all learn to walk at different stages. And you don't know from looking down the street who learned to walk at nine months or at 12 months. Mm. The key thing is working at their own pace and making sure that we as adults don't try and say, let's catch up. It's about let's carry on. And I think you've always asked parents to work with you uh, and to keep children home if they have any symptoms. 
symptoms, I mean, for, for again, a worrying thing we heard yesterday was that half of the people who have symptoms are not restricting their movements. And that's a really, really important thing. It's very difficult for parents to know what is the right, you know, a, a symptom or not. But particularly at the moment, we need anybody with symptoms to stay away from schools. Most parents are doing that, but some are not. And that's causing a lot of difficulty. But we also need contact tracing back in schools. We cannot have a situation where there's no or little or no public health support when we now have the most transmissible uh, variant of the virus so far. I mean, this time last year, uh, Michael, we were dealing with the Alpha variant. It seems like a long time ago. Mm. Delta has come and Delta will go and we'll be dealing with uh, something even more transmissible. You must have public health support back to schools and contact tracing if we're to keep going right through to the end of the year. Okay, well, hopefully everybody will be back uh, and we won't be in that uh, worst case scenario in uh, the new year. But uh, yeah, we wish you a happy Christmas. Thank you indeed uh, for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you. That's uh, Joe McKeown, President of the INTO, the Irish National Teachers Organisation. Michael Reed on LMFM. Last month, a house in St. Finian's Park in Drogheda came under attack with a petrol bomb. Last night, a house in Finian's Park came under attack with gunshots, six gunshots, at a quarter past eight yesterday evening. Sinn Féin councillor Joanna Byrne is on the line. A very good morning to you and thank you indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. What have you been hearing about this latest attack? Good morning, Michael, and good morning to all your listeners. Yeah, look, um, I, like everybody else, was, was very alarmed last night when I heard reports um, of this incident. Like, as, as you've outlined there in your introduction, there was a significant number of gunshots fired um, at a house in the same area that had a, had a bad incident um, only a number of weeks ago. Um, by all accounts, the people in the house were very lucky um, that they didn't sustain any injuries and that we're not looking at something more serious this morning. But I have been liaising with senior guardian in the town this morning and I am assured um, that they are treating this as a very serious incident. Um, they've been point- appointed an inspector, a senior investigating officer, specifically to this case um, and they will be putting all the resources in behind it to... to to sort out um, the exact scenario behind it, um, the intended target, um, and 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 whatnot, um, like everything else, you know, I'd imagine there'll be a, some sort of a press conference on it today where the guardie will outline that they'd be appealing to the public mm-hmm. um, to to contact them, anybody who may have seen anything. I know they're particularly interested in establishing how the gunman or gun people left the area, was it in a car, were they on foot, uh, which direction did they go, so that well, appeal will probably come out from the guards. I'm sure tomorrow. plenty of people know. Uh, 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 we're, we're going to uh, hear from the guards, being Tuesday, uh, we have our, our regular crime the desk, report, and yes. uh, I, I presume that uh, we'll hear an appeal in, in that, uh, but I imagine there's a lot of people listening to us this morning uh, who know an awful lot about this because there would have been an awful lot of noise early enough in the evening at a quarter past I mean, I'm sure the curtains were twitching and people would have seen uh, somebody shooting at the house and how they got away if they were on foot or uh, if uh, there was a car, if there was anybody else involved. A hundred percent. And at that time of the evening, chances are there could have been still children out playing, kicking the ball around the streets and and, and stuff like that, you know. So it is very worrying, um, particularly that there's been the two incidents in the same area of the town. Um, Now, I do know the Gardaí were on the scene um, in just over two minutes. They were on patrols in the area 
and made the scene in just over two minutes. So that is reassuring. Um, but but people can't help but be alarmed by this. You know, Jotta stood very firm in its in its stance against violence, against you know the feud, against crime, against drugs, and and to see this a number of incidents in a short period of time trying to creep back in. There's no place for it in the town, and and the townspeople deserve more. They won't tolerate it, and they deserve more. You know, but I am confident that the guardie have a good handle on this. Um, I know the last incident has been upgraded to an attempted murder investigation and they're making significant progress in that. So I have no doubt, I have every confidence that they'll do the same in this one. The petrol bomb attack is now an attempted murder investigation. Okay, well that's a significant development and you'd have to assume somebody was uh, trying to hurt somebody very badly by firing six times at their house when this happened last night. Where does somebody get the nerve to do that? Uh, I mean, as you say, the guards were there in two minutes uh, uh, that uh, would uh, very, be very risky. It's a wide open area. Like you know, you're taking a huge chance um, to be cornered in there, or you know, it took a must. It's either ridiculously stupid and ego that doesn't care, or it was meticulously planned that that they knew they had their their way out, regardless of of what actions may follow. Mm. You know, but it's no time of the year is is nice to have this. But coming up to Christmas week, where everything is doom and gloom, and yeah. there's so much uncertainty with COVID and. People are at the depths of despair, and then you just coming back on our doorstep. You well, know, there was a huge amount. There was a huge amount of stupidity involved, uh, of course, because we're talking about a built-up residential, busy area, and when you fire guns, bullets can and often do ricochet, ricochet and yeah. somebody else could have been killed unintentionally. That's what I said to you. We're very lucky that we're not looking at a different a different outcome of this this morning. Whether it was. Somebody in the house, and there was people in the house that was that was clarified to me by the guardie this morning. And um, whether it was somebody in the house, or as I said to you, you know, just after eight o'clock, there could have been teen- teenagers mm. out kicking a ball or walking home, or an elderly lady going out to the shop to get a pint of milk before it closes, and any, any innocent bystander could have been caught up in this mm. as well. Yeah. Or the people next door. Uh, it's frightening uh, to think uh, that this can happen on your street uh, uh, and uh, it's happened on uh, the street of a lot of people listening to us uh, this morning uh, and I'm totally uh, aware of how frightening that must be for them uh, and to come forward and say I, I know this or I saw that uh, is ridiculous because you don't want to put yourself in danger you don't want to put your family in danger no, or anything no, like that and, yeah, and I'm yeah. sure now um, when you, as you said you have the Guardian yeah. on mm. later on for the crime report I'm sure they will reiterate that there is a Garda confidential line um, and they will give that number out and anybody who has any information it is confidential information and if you look at um, the success of Operation Stratus that has been ongoing in the town over the last two or three years um, that's made significant um you know, arrests and seizures and stuff like that in an attempt to obliterate the gangland feud in the town. Part of that success, and a huge part of that success, was from the input from the public Mm. um, into that and fed into that. So that's that's vital going forward, particularly in a residential area. I I I would imagine that the Gardaí will be dependent on that. Oh, absolutely. I think if somebody saw what happened last night, uh, maybe that they should... (laughs) think to themselves uh, they were very close to a gunman and that gunman could have killed you uh, and you can give that information confidentially that telephone number is one 800 treble one that's one 
1800 666 111 and we will repeat that later uh, when the guards uh, are with us uh, most definitely uh, but you can call give information confidentially and you have nothing to fear as a result and we hope that people will do that yeah Joanna, thank you indeed for joining us on the programme. Thanks a million. Thank Happy indeed. Christmas, Mike. And Happy to you, Christmas of course. To all your listeners as well. Thank you very much. Happy Christmas to you. Sinn Féin Councillor Joanna Byrne. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, 70 landmarks across uh, the country are to light up green tonight on the longest night to show the public that the Samaritans are there if you need them. Uh, Let's uh, hear a little bit more uh, about the services uh, that they provide. Rory Fitzgerald is the Samaritans Regional Director for Ireland. Good morning to you, Rory, and thank you indeed for joining us. There's always great support for the Samaritans, and I suppose... Uh, that will be visible quite literally uh, when all of these buildings light up green tonight. Yeah, and actually, uh, I've up to update you, we now have 100 buildings across the country, so it's great that everybody's joined in, including Millmount and Drogheda, and very prominent landmarks like the Dublin Convention Centre, Kilkelly Castle, the Rocca Castle. So, you know, this is to highlight, first of all, green is our colour, and secondly, then, is to highlight that we're there on the longest night of the year to support people who are struggling. Well, that's fantastic. A hundred buildings. Uh, and uh, people may ask why, and it'll bring attention to the services that you provide. Uh, a service uh, that is there 24 hours a day, every day of the year, including Christmas Day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and like over the Christmas period last year, I think the three days, uh, Christmas Eve, uh, Christmas Day and Stephen's Day, we had over 3,000 calls and 35,000 calls in the month of December. So I, I suppose people are aware there's, there's 400,000 people living on their own in Ireland and many of them will be on their own for Christmas. So it's a difficult time with loneliness and isolation. Right, it's a lot of calls, isn't it? Uh, and um, is this very sad listening to uh, people when they call, uh, when they're feeling so lonely and isolated like that? very well trained and it's a privilege to be there to support people who have haven't got somebody else to talk to maybe at that time of the year and and the other big thing too is a lot of there's a lot of hype around christmas and people getting excited about it but it's not it's a time that a lot of people don't like it it's a big reminder of loss in a family bereavement be that a recent one or one going back for many many years because that place at the table that person is missing you know so um lots of people have issues to they need support on and we're always happy to be there to talk to them about whatever their their life issues are Mm. Indeed, it can be a very sad time for reasons like that. And uh, you've seen an increase in uh, the number of calls in relation to loneliness and isolation. Is that because of uh, the pandemic and lockdown and so on? I think that's probably a contributory factor. And as as I said, there's a lot of people live on their own anyway. And, uh, you know, it is... It is difficult. And, and look, you can be lonely in a crowd. It doesn't have to be on your own, you know. I mean, uh, lots of people struggle, even if they're with people. So, you mm. know, it, our, our big motto really is it's good to talk and talking does help, you know, and don't bottle it up. Uh, that's one thing I would say to people, you know, use our service or use somebody else to talk to, but don't don't struggle on your own. Mm, indeed, uh, people will quite often tell you that the loneliest place in the world uh, to be is in a, a big city. Uh, people are talking about busy tube stations and feeling like uh, nobody will talk to them, uh, yeah. let alone the fact that they don't really know anybody there. Uh, but there's uh, this need to, to talk, uh, but you listen and, and, and that's what the Samaritans does. That's the service that you provide. You listen in a, a non-judgmental way. Yeah, we're trained listeners and we, we don't give advice, which is something people find hard to get their head around. But actually, it's good to reflect the question back to the person. What do you think you should do? Because 
we always make our own our own decisions are the best decisions not what somebody tells us what to do so uh, it's a good life skill I think to have even if a friend asks you what should I do in a situation it's to reflect it back to, to them because uh, I think people as I say are more comfortable making their own choices Okay uh, if people do want to talk uh, as I say you're there all the time uh, every day of uh, the year how can people make contact with the yeah, Samaritans? Uh, our, our free phone number is 116123 and uh, also we're contactable by email on joe that's j-o at samaritans.ie and uh, we have 13 branches in the country we have a great branch in Drogheda there with over 100 volunteers and I would like to shout out and thank them for what they've done particularly through the last 20 months when you know it's been difficult for volunteers as much as for our callers and mm. we're, all, we're all struggling with the pandemic and uh, we have great people who are there to answer the phone for that person that needs support It really is a fantastic service 1500 calls responded to a day 100,000 hours responding uh, to calls over the course of a, a year uh, a very, very good service and all volunteers, trained volunteers uh, but uh, I'm sure uh, people will be very happy that you are there and uh can I just add as well, Michael, mm-hmm. you know, we're volunteers and we're dependent on, on contributions from the public. And if anybody wants to donate, just smartens.ie. And they can actually put in, they want to give the money to Drogheda branch or whatever branch. On, oh, very good. On that, uh, on, on, on that uh, website. Okay. We pre- and I'd like to thank over the years all the people that have supported us because we wouldn't be there without donations and the support of the HSE. Very good. Okay, we leave it there. Thank you indeed, Rory, for joining us on uh, the programme this morning. Rory Fitzgerald, uh, Samaritan's Regional Director for Ireland. Now, let me bring you some of uh, the comments that have been coming to us uh, today. Debbie in Navin is not really sure what to think. Uh, She says uh, they brought in these restrictions to reduce people mixing. Did they not? But all people are doing is meeting earlier or going to the panto earlier. So what's the difference? Should they not just be closing everything down if they really want people to be safe? Careful what you wish for, Debbie. Uh, That may be the next step. Uh, Let's hope that it's not necessary. Um, We'd uh, another call to us uh, today from Declan. Declan's in Drogheda. Declan says he believes that if, as expected, there will be pressure on our hospitals in in the coming weeks, then there's no way the schools will be able to return in early January. And he would rather uh, uh, that a decision... Um, was made early so the parents would have time to plan and make alternative arrangements. Uh, Thanks uh, for that Declan. I think that uh, probably will be the case if it turns out to be necessary and uh, I think that at this stage everybody is hoping that it won't be necessary. I wanted to thank uh, the texter as well who was in touch with us a little bit earlier on to say that the council, Louth County Council that is, is out in Rathmullen Park today and uh, they're removing graffiti. It took long enough for them to do it, our caller says, but it's great to see it being done and I hope uh, that they're covering a, a good bit of the area. Just wanted to send a text to acknowledge that at long last a small bit of involvement from the council is appreciated. Thank you indeed uh, for your message to the programme. Thanks to everybody who's been in touch with us so far today. Uh, we'll hear a little bit more about uh, the current situation with COVID now from uh, the World Health Organization and I suppose uh, we all know that we're facing a very hard Christmas that's going to go into January or at least that seems to be the situation but is it ever going to end? If we are to end the pandemic in the coming year we must end in equity by ensuring 70% of the population of every country is vaccinated by the middle of next year. 
Right. Uh, we're far off that. Uh, some countries uh, are as low as just 3% of uh, their population being vaccinated. This is Dr. Tedros, uh, who's been talking about the value of vaccinations. There is new evidence emerging now of its benefits, especially with elderly uh, groups, uh, senior citizens, especially above 65 and above 60. So if it's going to be used, it's better to focus on those groups who have risk of severe disease and death, rather than, as we see, some countries are using to give boosters to kill children, which is not right. Then the equity issue comes here. Right. Uh, it's inequitous uh, to be giving the boosters to children, which uh, is what we are planning to do here. Instead of boosting a child in high-income countries, it's better to vaccinate the elderly in countries who have uh, the elders who, are, who have not been vaccinated, even the primary vaccines. So the equity issue should also come into into play. Right. Uh, Dr. Tedros of uh, the World Health Organization. Uh, a lot of people saying as well, why are, are we seeing further restrictions? Why are they closing the pubs early and what's not uh, when we're all vaccinated? Uh, well, I think the reality of uh, the situation is that if we weren't vaccinated, they'd be closed down altogether. Uh, two years ago, there wouldn't have been any vaccine at all. And we'd have been, we'd be, you'd be in a full lockdown, a full lockdown two years ago, if you had the level of cases that we currently have under Delta, never mind Omicron. Um, and, um, you know, for the last while, uh, we've been managing Delta quite effectively with most, if not uh, barred the nighttime economy, most of society open. And working, and one only has to look at the revenue returns and so on, in, in respect of the activity levels in the economy and so on. Now, that's cold comfort to the hospitality sector, I readily acknowledge. But because of vaccination, whole swathes of the economy have come back. I mean, last evening we had Christine Lagarde of the ECB talking about the remarkable recovery across Europe. Now, Ireland is the fastest recovering economy in Q3 across Europe. That could not have happened without vaccination simply could not have happened. But the primary purpose of vaccination is to, and I'll ask Tony to come in and Leo then, you know, basically is to protect against severe illness and hospitalization and uh, ICU and, and the evidence is, is very strong on that. And your dose one and dose two still gives you that kind of protection, not so much against infection, but certainly against severe illness. Do you want to comment on that or just on the vaccine front? Yeah, yeah and Tishka is right. I mean, if, if, we, if we had these kinds of case numbers that we've had over the last couple of uh, months, uh, without the protection of vaccines and more laterally boosters, we would have experienced very significant numbers of deaths uh, and, a, and, a, and a level of admission to intensive care units that we simply, in terms of healthcare systems, simply couldn't manage or cope with. Uh, and so we know that a very substantial protection exists and continues to exist and is being extended through the booster program. The reality, unfortunately, is that, that the virus still is able to find chinks in the armour and so, so further measures are still needed in terms of individual behaviour and now, in the face of Omicron, other measures that have been recommended and mandated to help to protect us. But the vaccines still provide a substantial level of background uh, um, protection. That's uh, Chief Medical Officer Dr Tony Houlihan and uh, the Taoiseach, of course, uh, before that, Michal Martin. And what we've been hearing there ties in with what the hospitals are reporting uh, and the way the vaccines are protecting people. People are vaccinated, they're double vaccinated, they're treble vaccinated, they've had their booster, if you like, and they're still getting COVID uh, because of the way that Omicron is transmitting this is a very transmissible variant and it is breaking through but people are not getting sick to the same extent 
not the same numbers of people, not to the same extent when they've been vaccinated. But when you're not vaccinated, we are hearing that people are suffering severe illness. And there are still people who are choosing not to get vaccinated. Uh, There probably is no way of convincing them to do so. That is the reality of the situation. You're taking a great risk. There's plenty of data out there to show that there are differentials in vaccination in countries in vulnerable groups based on ethnicity, based on class, based on lots of other things that aren't about hesitancy. So this idea that the, the only people not vaccinated are the ones who don't want to be vaccinated, frankly, I've not found that in my career. Most of the time, it's the system has to found that person or that person hasn't had enough confidence or access to the system. So I've said this again, Dr. Tedros keeps saying it. It's about who we miss. It's not about counting up raw numbers of who we cover. It's about who we miss. If you miss vaccinating a vulnerable older person with the primary dose of this vaccine in any of these waves, that person is at much greater risk of being hospitalized or dying. That's a simple fact. How do we access them? And the system needs to redouble its effort to do that. People have genuine hesitancy. They have genuine concerns. We need to do better at offering people vaccines where they are on their terms, using people who can communicate with them. It's very often about the motivation, what I perceive as the motivation of the person offering me the information. If I perceive that the person offering me a vaccine or offering me information about vaccine has my best interest in heart, if I trust that person, I'm more likely to accept that vaccine. There's been a gap and a gulf in trust. There's been a breakdown in trust. uh, And we need to redouble our efforts to bridge that gap. Uh, And vaccinating those, making a double, triple, quadruple effort to vaccinate those individuals pays off better than chasing around the place trying to give booster vaccines to 16-year-olds or 17-year-olds. It's about priorities. Uh, That's Dr. Mike Ryan of the World Health Organization that time. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, the Irish Examiner is reporting uh, today that between 25 and 30 children every week over the course of uh, the past month have been contacting the Childline service expressing suicidal ideation. It's a shocking uh, thing to read in uh, the papers uh, this morning. Emma McCluskey, National Childline Manager at the ISPCC, which runs Childline, is on uh, the phone with us now. And a very good morning to you, Emma. Thank you indeed uh, for joining us. Uh, That seems uh, like a a lot of reason to be concerned. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks so much for having me today. Um, You know, I suppose the run-up to Christmas, we are certainly seeing um, some concerning figures coming in in relation to young people presenting with thoughts of suicide, suicide ideation, and overall anxiety just based on what's happening in society at the moment. And I think the impact, we're starting to see that, you know, the the long-term impact of COVID in the last two years, um, you know, it it is having an effect on our young people. And it's something that we really do need to to kind of start listening to. And from the young person's perspective, we are seeing that trend coming in. And it is a concern and trend that we're seeing here with the service. Right. And what are our children saying to you? Because I think uh, the increase in uh, suicidal thoughts is in line with uh, a lot more anxiety that children are expressing when they do call you. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and young people come to us, and I suppose at the moment we're seeing a lot of conversations coming in um, that are similar in nature. You know, there's anxiety there, there's fears, there's the run up to Christmas, because I suppose as well, Christmas is not always a happy time for everybody, as, as much as we put in so much work into the festivities and the preparation. For many young people, it, it's not a good place to be. Um, and that's a reality that we see from, from young people coming in every year. But I suppose we also have that on the back of COVID and the anxiety and the long-term effects that that's starting to have on our young people. So I suppose as we see, you know, what's happening at the moment in society with regards to infection rates and, and the growth there and the potential of new lockdowns and then obviously as well young people being sent home with a full bag of yeah, school books again. So imminently what's going to be coming, what's happening in the future. So there's a lot of fear and anxiety around that. What's going to happen in the next few weeks? Are we going back into lockdowns and I suppose the coping mechanisms that young people would have in relation to how to deal with all of these elements, it's very very concerning and it's a hard time for any young person um, to be a young person in this generation, it's not easy. Mm. A lot of uncertainty, young children uh, like routine and to react well to routine, uh, how do they uh, react within themselves uh, when there is such uncertainty, not knowing if uh, they'll be going back to school on uh, the 6th of January, not knowing if uh, they get COVID, not knowing uh, what else will be closed down. Absolutely, because I suppose it's been a hard two years and I suppose we do have that, you know, the last two years to look back on and, and it's not always been easy for a lot of young people. Um, and I suppose with regards to Childline, our role is to be there and available to listen to the young people, to promote resilience and, and work on resilience techniques, um, you know, with regards to coping mechanisms and signposting them to, to various agencies with regards to support as well. Um, and I think that's a really important message that we do want to get out there today is that, you know, talking does make us stronger. Uh, reaching out to one good adult, if you do have one good adult in your life, if not, Childline is there as a service for all young people with regards to ha- talking through what's going on for you, being there to listen in relation to what your feelings are, what you're thinking, and, and I suppose what issues you have going on, especially in the run-up to Christmas as well. Mm, yeah, um, You're seeing an increase in uh, children self-harming as well. Yeah, and that's across the board. Over the last four to five weeks, we are seeing um, calls and conversations coming in from uh, young people in relation to, I suppose, self-harm in relation to the anxiety and also suicidal thoughts as well um, and, and that again is a worrying piece that we're seeing coming through and um, we do as well from the trend side of things we're, we're noticing that a lot more um, females, a lot more girls are contacting us in relation to those um, to those thoughts even though we would I suppose on the phone lines we do see from the male population um, a lot more um, males coming in so there's a lot of kind of I suppose new figures that we're seeing um, it's, it's been I suppose it's around it's, it's there and it's always a challenge for young people suicide mm. uh, but we are seeing just more triggers for them at the moment Okay self-harming uh, usually would be cutting wouldn't it cutting yourself uh, and that sort of thing yeah, 
it can be, you know, and it presents in many in many ways. But you know, we we certainly do associate self harm with um, with coding exactly. Mm. Um, but like that, I suppose it's really important that we are getting the message out there to young people that there is support there. We are available. We're available twenty four hours a day, which is really important uh, for young people to to understand because sometimes you might have a thought or you might have a feeling, and you might not have access to somebody that can guide you through it. And um, that's the great thing about us is that we are there unconditionally all of the time. So mm. do reach out to us if there is anything that you feel you'd like to engage with us on. What's, what's at play uh, when someone is acting out like that? Um, or is that too simple a question? Uh, is it always a case of somebody looking for attention or is it always a case of self-loathing? Well, I'd absolutely not say it's looking for attention um, because every young person has different needs and I suppose it would be quite difficult to even comment on that because I suppose from the young person's perspective, you know, we have a lot of issues in and going on for our young people at the moment, all very valid, all very concerning and, you know, each child experiences life in a very, very different way and it, it's that they're looking for support. They're looking for, you know, I suppose an individual or they're looking for somebody I suppose and that's what they need and and that's what we work with is what is the needs of the young people and so whether it's support whether it's guidance whether it's further help with regards to specialist services um, and that's what we would deal with when we work with a young person who's presenting in that way. Right Uh, and they do present uh, and you do get the calls and they do call uh, an awful lot of calls 800 calls a day I think that's a remarkable amount of calls to Childline. Yeah, we do have, um, I think at our busiest time, we certainly have seen 800 calls a day coming in. At the moment, we're seeing slightly lower um, throughout this year. Um, but we are, um, I suppose, we're always busy here with, with the service. We're open 24 hours a day. Even coming up to Christmas time now, we have a fantastic cohort of volunteers who are making themselves available over the Christmas period. Mm. Over 40 volunteers on Christmas Day alone um, who are coming in to work on on the service for us and we're really really proud of the dedication um, and I suppose the commitment that our volunteers have because without them we wouldn't be able to run the service that we mm. do. Uh, and why might a, a child be calling Childline on Christmas Day? I think it's important as well even though we're talking very much about suicide here on, on this um, on this conversation young people do contact us for lots of different reasons and you don't need to have a reason to reach out to us and um, we're there to listen regardless of what's going on for you. Um, in relation to Christmas Day, again, just because it's Christmas Day, it doesn't mean that the conversations from young people will change in any way. You will see different types of conversations coming in, obviously, that maybe um, young people are in an environment that could be fueled by alcohol. It could be, I suppose, as well, a situation where a young person is probably maybe missing somebody who's passed on, uh, a grandparent or a parent or a carer that's just not in their lives anymore and and that can be a very difficult time for a young person when they are experiencing that sense of loss as well Mm. Okay well uh, obviously uh, the children are are, are very aware or many of them are given uh, the high volume of calls that you receive to Childline but it's not uh, just Childline these days it's child text and child email uh, and all of uh, the ways uh, that people can reach out to you as well 
Yeah, and I think that's really important because it's not always a good time for a young person to talk on the telephone. And to be honest with you, children nowadays, they do prefer um, our online text and our online chat service. And sometimes as well, um, it can be a little bit more private if you do have other people in the house and you're looking for that private conversation. So there are lots of ways to reach out. So we do have our messaging service, which can be accessed through childline.ie or our text service by texting 50101 or on the telephone, uh, which is a free phone number, one 800 And sometimes as well, you know, young people don't always want to talk. Maybe they're looking for just a little bit of guidance or support. Uh, our childline.ie website has lots of articles up there as well um, that might be able to be, I suppose, of help to a young person if they do have something particular that they're looking for guidance or support on and maybe don't feel ready just yet to um, engage with us and have a chat. Okay, yeah, I can see you have stuff on online safety, uh, bullying, abuse, safety and you're right, sexuality in relationships, all kinds of things uh, that uh, kids uh, might want some guidance on uh, on the website uh, and of course you're at the end of the phone as well 1800 66 66 66 50101 is uh, the text and I'm sure you'll provide that invaluable service to many children over the Christmas period. Emma, thank you indeed for joining us on the programme today. Emma McCluskey is uh, the National Childline Manager with the ISPCC. Michael Reed on on LMFM. Well, there is this uh, terrible reality that we're all at risk of getting coronavirus. All of a sudden, it seems, all over again, and that's because of uh, the new variant, Omicron. Uh, Since Omicron has uh, come into our lives, the Irish Cancer Society says it's getting a lot of calls from people who are anxious to know how they can protect themselves or their loved ones from COVID, uh, let's talk to Dr. Robert O'Connor, who's uh, the Director of Research with the Irish Cancer Society. Good morning to you, Dr. O'Connor, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us on uh, the programme this morning. So what is it you're saying to people when they do make contact with you? Um, I, I suppose, uh, and good morning, Michael, and happy Christmas to you and your listeners. I suppose um, there's a lot of information uh, swelling around uh, at the minute, and indeed a large portion of our population are thankfully protected uh, from uh, COVID and from the new strain Omicron that you've just mentioned, but I, I suppose folks maybe aren't aware just how sensitive um, to the uh, ill effects of uh, Omicron uh, some in our community actually are, especially older people and those with cancer, um, with certain types of cancer, certain, particularly certain types of blood cancer, people who may be starting treatment uh, or you know awaiting diagnosis and so on, um, because um, Omicron is essentially a new, much more transmissible variant of COVID. So we're trying to give information that can help people reduce the risks to their loved ones who might be more sensitive to that. And is it right to say that uh, people are are more protected from vaccines when they're not uh, immunocompromised as cancer patients may be? Absolutely. I suppose there's two scenarios if we're we're specifically talking about cancer, although this extends into a number of other uh, health conditions. Um, The immune compromise uh, can mean that uh, vaccines, including uh, a third dose, won't work as well for them. So they're not as well protected. And also people who are awaiting uh, diagnostic procedures, surgery, radiotherapy or, or chemotherapy treatment, they have to be COVID negative before 
they can be um, brought into a hospital environment. So, for example, if, if maybe a loved one in my family um, was waiting on a procedure, uh, I'd need to be very careful because if they show any symptoms in the, uh, you know, the screening that people undergo before going into hospital, that's going to cause a potential significant delay, even if they don't develop COVID. And if they do, obviously, it can be much more uh, challenging. So there's those two scenarios, really, of the immune compromise that you mentioned, where people don't benefit from vaccination as much. And then the second element of people um, waiting for diagnosis or treatment, um, which can be delayed um, by uh, even by a close contact, in fact. Is it also right to say that some of uh, those treatments, uh, chemotherapy, for example, will make uh, the vaccines less effective again? Uh, absolutely. Um, so uh, I suppose uh, for people who may be concerned, um, their cancer doctor will have uh, briefed them on their, their risks um, but in general, people who are going through certain types of chemotherapy and um, people who are having certain ongoing types of treatment that reduces the impact of their immune system, people on large doses of steroids, um, for example, uh, and people with certain types of blood cancer, um, our immune system is based in our white blood cells. So cancers of those white blood cells, like certain types of leukemias and lymphomas, um, will tend to mean that the immune system doesn't work as well. I guess the message is, though, that there's a lot that we can do as individuals to help um, put a shield around um, those people in our community, those loved ones, uh, and make sure that we don't introduce um, uh, COVID to them. So, for example, by being fully vaccinated, including the third dose, um, there's strong evidence now that it doesn't just um, protect people from the infection, but also reduces the likelihood of them passing on uh, the infection obviously reducing our contact. So um, the less I'm in contact with other people, the less likely I am to pick something up. Mm. Um, Face masking is really important. And we're not talking about putting a scarf across the face. We're talking about proper uh, face masking, preferably with something of a standard FFP2 or FFP3 and properly secured around the nose and the mouth because the viral particles are so small, they will get through uh, cloth and that. And also things like testing. So uh, PCR is the gold standard um, for, for diagnosis of um, uh, COVID. Um, but antigen testing may be useful as well, in particular, if undertaken a couple of hours before one is likely to meet up with somebody, um, because one can go from being uh, negative to positive actually very quickly. Mm. Uh, I suppose being symptom aware as well. There's a lot of bugs. and I'm sure you've seen it in, in your friends and families. There's a lot of bugs going around, not just with COVID. It's the time of the year for, for various bugs. But any of these bugs can cause challenges because um, those with cancer can be more susceptible in the first place. And also, if they start sniffling, they're going to um, not be able to take up treatment. They're not going to be able to go into hospital, etc. So, you know, those kinds of things. And I suppose avoiding um, crowds, etc. In all honesty, with the levels of infection that we're seeing and that we will see in the coming weeks, any kind of larger public environment like a uh, shopping centre COVID is there. We will be passing people who are actively um, transmitting COVID and hence the, the need for good face masking. And that, that's just the reality of the rates that we're seeing at the minute. And uh, I suppose part of protecting yourself comes down to understanding how transmissible the virus is and how vulnerable you are or are not to it. And uh, I think uh, the point here is uh, that a lot of cancer patients are particularly vulnerable to COVID. Uh, and uh, if they're aware of, of that, uh, perhaps uh, they'll act accordingly. Uh, and whilst the vaccines 
may not be as effective in cancer patients or other people who are immunocompromised. Uh, that's not to say that they don't have a, an effect and you are recommending people get vaccinated and get their boosters. Absolutely. Uh, every, every opportunity to provide protection is very important. Um, there's a gradation, I think, and it can depend on a, a, a wide variety of things that we don't really have time to go into on the show here in terms of how, how well a vaccine might work in a cancer patient. But we can all play our part in protecting and, and been part of that immune wall around um, somebody by being vaccinated. I mean, the, the efficacy of these vaccinations is simply staggering, um, including against Omicron. Um, and part of the challenge is actually their effectiveness means that a lot of people who might pick up um, COVID are either not showing symptoms or their symptoms are very mild. It's not like they're losing their sense of taste or that. They might have a mild sniffle. About a third of people now who are testing positive will show no symptoms. So I could be going around happily. Uh, I might have come into contact with COVID maybe in the shop or or from some meeting or something. Uh, And I could go then and and meet my my mother uh, who might be susceptible and not realise because I'm not showing signs or symptoms that I could be passing on the infection. And so that's what we worry about, that in general, the wider vaccinated uh, community with a normal immune system can um, transmit this without any realisation that they are, and unfortunately, uh, a vulnerable cancer patient or people who have other health conditions, then it can really be cause huge complications for them uh, and really put their life at risk, uh, unfortunately. And while... Um, there is some evidence around Omicron potentially being uh, less severe. That's only in those with the functional immune system. It looks like either prior COVID exposure or prior vaccination means that Omicron in those people won't be as uh, impactful. But it can be deadly, uh, unfortunately, if your immune system is not working uh, as it should be. So I suppose we're, that's what we're trying to encourage mm-hmm. people, give yeah. them the tools and the confidence, uh, especially this special time of the year, And I suppose I would like to add that if people are worried about cancer, even without COVID, there can be, it can be a difficult time. Um, Christmas, it can be a very poignant time. We maybe lost somebody during the year. We have a worry about our health. So we have a free phone uh, support line that any question about cancer, cancer support services, et cetera, can be answered. That's 1-800-200-700 or on our website, cancer.ie. And you'll get through to a qualified cancer nurse there who'll be able to guide you through any issues. And also, thanks to the support of people, including many of your listeners there, um, we provide free counselling um, through that as well. So if people need you know, additional supports uh, in their community, um, they can access those mm. through that free phone number. It's a, an amazing service that the Cancer Society provides. And we'll repeat those contacts uh, again in a, a moment. I think it's true to say, Dr O'Connor, that cancer patients and their families inform themselves. They learn a lot about the illness very quickly and have a fairly good understanding of their own illness and how vulnerable they may be in the context of this conversation to COVID. And they may be making decisions in line with many of the things that you've said and deciding to... Uh, stay out of large crowds or not go to shopping centres and so on. But there are things that they have to do. Many of them have to do uh, and getting treatment. You were saying uh, when people uh, are due to go into chemotherapy or radiation that they have to test negative uh, before uh, they'll be treated. Uh, But uh, when they are in treatment, uh, they have to go to hospital quite often to get that treatment. Are people anxious about going to hospital? Because uh, I think a lot of people are afraid of getting COVID in hospital. 
They are, and, and I suppose that has been a challenge at various time points in, in the, the nearly two years now that we've been managing this pandemic. Uh, it's had unfortunate negative consequences, so people um, haven't felt comfortable maybe going into their GP um, to, um, to, you know, with symptoms, etc., and that has been delaying diagnosis. Um, there have been challenges around the capacity of the health system. Um, we have a finite number of amazing people that work in our health system, and if they're trying to manage and triage uh, COVID, um, it doesn't leave the same level of capacity for, for other um, health conditions. So people have been uh, in fear. Uh, we are, have been encouraging people to stay in contact with their GP, to stay in contact with their um, cancer centres who really have the, the latest um, details and who provide such an excellent service for people um, and, you know, understand what the risks are and help people, I suppose, talk through those risks. And at certain stages, as you know, um, there have been uh, additional delays um, while hospitals have been dealing uh, with COVID and, and with COVID challenges. Omicron, uh, if it does build up to the level that we all fear, will cause more challenges um, again. So we urge people to talk to their doctors and get the necessary reassurance for their specific um, circumstances. In some cases, people may want to um, uh, make changes and, 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 and that in consultation with their healthcare providers. But it is a difficult um, time and a lot of things having to be weighed up by people as they make decisions about their health. Okay. Uh, let me just uh, check uh, those contacts with you again. Cancer.ie is uh, the website. Uh, and then the Irish Cancer Society support line uh, is a free phone number. And people can phone that if they want to talk about their cancer or their treatment or their loved one's cancer, for that matter, or if uh, they want to avail of the counselling services uh, that you provide through the Irish Cancer Society. Uh, that's one eight hundred two hundred seven hundred. 200 That's correct, Michael. Yeah, that's and okay. as I said... Um, uh, Monday to Friday, that will get um, people through to someone who can really help them with their queries and, and, and with uh, any challenges that they may face. It's not just for patients, as, as you rightly say, it's for anybody really that has a concern, maybe about a family member, maybe about a symptom or that uh, themselves. It might be about financial issues, it might be around COVID issues, etc. And if people want to make a, a donation to help you to do this work uh, that uh, we'd be lost uh, without, is it through the website? Yeah, on the website, again, yeah. they'll see the details. And we are extremely grateful. Um, you know, everybody has been challenged by COVID, but the generosity of our community has just been astounding. And it's through that generosity that we are able to provide all of those supports. Um, we're almost fully funded by um, the generosity of, of the Irish public. Uh, so without that, we literally wouldn't be able to provide any of those services. And, uh, at some stage, uh, I think every member of the Irish pub, uh, public has uh, turned to the Irish uh, Cancer Society for support and assistance. And uh, there is uh, great support for the work that you do, obviously, and people can uh, make donations uh, through cancer.ie if uh, they so wish. Dr O'Connor, thanks for joining us uh, this morning. Dr Robert O'Connor is a Director of Research with the Irish Cancer Society. Michael Reed on LMFM. Time now, as is usual, around this time on a Tuesday for our weekly visit to the Garda Crime Desk. As usual, there's a number of incidents Garda are investigating locally. Perhaps you can assist with those investigations. Garda Paddy Gill joins us from Trim Garda Station for this week's report. And we begin in Drogheda and those gunshots that were heard in St Finian's Park last evening. Yes, good morning, Michael, and indeed, good morning to your listeners. So, yes, Gardaí and Drada have launched 
an investigation following a suspected shooting incident at the house in St. Finian's Park area of the town. The incident is believed to have taken place shortly after 8pm last night. Now, no injuries have been reported and the scene remains sealed off this morning. So, Gardaí are appealing for anyone who may have information that may assist them in their investigations. So, please contact Drogheda Garda Station on 041-987-4200 or indeed the Garda Confidential Line on 1-800-666-111. OK, we go to Saltdown, uh, where Gardaí are investigating an aggravated burglary. Yes, so in uh, Dundalk, Gardaí are investigating an aggravated burglary incident that took place in the Saltown area of Dundalk on Monday the 6th of December 2021 at approximately 6.30pm in the evening. Now, a female was assaulted, but she did not sustain any life-threatening injuries. The suspects left in a vehicle described as a blue Peugeot. So Gardaí are pleading for any witnesses in the area at that time, and in particular those who noticed a blue Peugeot acting suspiciously, suspiciously excuse me, or motorists who may have dash cam footage to contact Dundalk Garage Station on 042-9388-400. A hit and run in Dungani to report on next. Yes, so this took place on Monday last, the 13th of December. So in the Ghani trim, which would be locally known as the main trim in Avon Road, uh, between 7.45 and 8am. Now, two vehicles were damaged by a lorry that failed to remain at the scene. So unfortunately, the inquiries are still ongoing and we are appealing in trim for any witnesses or motorists with especially dash cam footage who may have been on that Navin Road during this time. So please contact us here in Trim Garda Station on 46 9481540 to Beliver, where people might have uh, some information about uh, an assault. Yes, so Guardian Trim, once again, we're appealing for information regarding an assault that took place outside McLaughlin's Bar in Main Street, Beliver, in the early hours of Sunday morning last, the 19th of December 2021. Guardian are appealing for any witnesses or for motorists who may have dash cam footage that were in the area between 12 and 12.30 a.m. to please once again contact Trim Garda Station on 046-948-1540. OK, a burglary in Stamullen uh, that uh, you're hoping people will be able to help you with. Yes, indeed, Michael. So Guardian De Leek, they're investigating a burglary which occurred in the Cockhill Road area of Stamullen on Wednesday last, the 15th of December, between 4.30 and 6 p.m., so anyone who may have information or witnessed any suspicious activity during this time are asked to please contact Ashburn Garda Station on 018010600. Okay, some tools stolen in Summer Hill to report on next. Yes, once again, back to Trim again. They're investigating an incident of theft that took place in the Hillview area of Summer Hill yesterday afternoon, the 20th of December. So two workmen, they were carrying out works in the area when a blue Skoda Octavia pulled up Two males got out of the vehicle and proceeded to take a number of tools from the workmen's vehicles, with the occupants of the Skoda then left in the direction of Trim. So Gardaí are appealing for anyone who may have been in the area between 12.45 and 1pm and or or witnessed this incident or could assist them in identifying any vehicle or its occupants to please contact Trim Garda Station on 046-948-1540. Okay, there's little chance of a white Christmas, uh, but you are asking motorists to be winter ready. Absolutely, Mike. So today, would you believe it's the, for some of them may not know, it's the longest and longest night of the year and shortest day. So on the longest night of the year, Be Safe, Be Seen on Irish Road, the head of National Be Safe, Be Seen Day, which is today, the 21st December, also known as the shortest day of the year. The Road Safety Authority and on Garda Siakana are calling on the public to don high visibility clothing, carry torches and take appropriate precautions when using the roads. Now, this advice also extends to vehicles. So vehicle, make sure that your vehicle is winter ready by ensuring the following checks are carried out. So lights. 
it, it beggars belief how on, on modern roads in today's society that the lights, uh, we see a lot of instances where lights have only one headlight. It's, it's a personal pet peeve of mine, as you can probably tell. Um, you should make sure all your indicators and the headlamps are clean and working order. And like I said, always ensure both headlights are working correctly. Bulbs can be purchased in filling stations or even motor factors for a very, very small amount and can be, and can be fitted as well uh, quite easily in, in modern vehicles. So tyres, so check your tyre tread and pressure, including your spare. While the minimum legal limit on tyre tread depth is 1.6 millimetres, a minimum tread of 3 millimetres is advised for winter driving. So it's important to note that given the, the road conditions and probably the lack of uh, grip as well on the roads. So liquids, this includes so your water reservoir is free up to the maximum mark and correctly mixed with antifreeze. You may also need the top of your coolant and screen wash. And always, always check for wear and tear on wiper blades and replace them as soon as they start to smear rather than clean windows. Now, another bit of advice is emergency equipment to have in your car at all times. Now, this obviously might not be possible for everyone, but these are the recommendations that you would find on winterready.ie. So a high visibility vest, a hazard warning triangle, a torch with batteries, very important to have batteries, and indeed check it regularly, a tow rope, a shovel, jump leads, a fuel canister, de-icing equipment, which includes for glass and door locks as well, a first aid kit, probably one of the most important things you could possibly have in a car, and appropriate clothing and footwear in case you have to leave your vehicle. A car blanket, additional clothing and some food and water for long journeys. Have a charged mobile phone. An in-car charger is uh, highly recommended in this instance. A fire extinguisher and, if possible, consider carrying some sort of salt or sand for grip on the road. But as I mentioned, you'll find lots of more good advice on winterready.ie. Okay, expect the unexpected. Uh, And uh, that brings uh, to a conclusion uh, the Crime Desk uh, for this year on the programme. Absolutely, Michael, indeed. It's just been a quite a quick year and hopefully next year we'll, we'll bring more more positive news uh, around the, the Loud and Mead divisions and indeed further on the field. So on behalf of my colleagues in the Loud and Mead divisions, I would like to take this opportunity to wish you and all your listeners a very Merry Christmas and a healthy and happy New Year. Garda, Paddy Gill in Trim Garda Station, thank you. Happy Christmas to you and all of your colleagues. We hope that you have a uh, quiet and peaceful Christmas for that matter and uh, we'll return to the Garda Crime Desk in uh, the new year. That's our programme for today. Uh, that's uh, my last programme for this year. Alison O'Reilly will uh, have uh, control of uh, the programme for the next couple of days, so you'll be in very safe hands and uh, wish you a happy Christmas and see you in 2022. God willing. See you then. Bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.